Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Some common antecedent interventions, especially for individuals with autism, are things that we're going to discuss. So individuals with autism or related disorders may require intensive teaching. And what we know is that additional opportunities are needed, repetition is needed, in order to solidify information and to establish a skill. A lot of times this is done through discrete trial teaching. Discrete trial teaching is when an instructional cue or an SD, a discriminative stimulus, is presented. So something like, show me the one that you eat with. Um, That might be the instruction or the question. And then the learner engages in a response or is prompted to engage in a response, meaning that you could have pictures out, you could be pointing to the picture of the correct response, you could be gesturing towards something, the environment, you could be providing a partial verbal, meaning that you're going to give them the sounds of what it is that you might um, accept as an answer. Either way, then the learner is going to respond and receive reinforcement or feedback for the response that they provided. Um, This can lead to increase, though, in challenges and aversion of work tasks when you have to do a lot of extra work. And that can be despite the level of fun that somebody can embed into a task. Or that can mean even when we are really looking at decreasing task demands, increasing the saliency or the potency of a reinforcer, when you just have that much repetition of any skill it can become really annoying for lack of a more technical term. And perhaps you'd rather engage in some other leisure or self-stimulatory behavior. When we have uh, challenges and aversion to work tasks, what we see is escape-maintained behavior. And this becomes increasingly problematic for individuals who need increased opportunities to practice if even just a minor amount of practice becomes really something that they become standoffish about. So some students will resist and it becomes really difficult because even if the activity is not challenging or even if the outcome is rewarding, sometimes by just saying like, hey, it's time for math or come on over to the table, we are ending a preferred activity. So sometimes just signaling the beginning of a new activity could be signaling the end of a preferred activity. And it comes down to sort of the perception. We also see that there can be low rates of positive reinforcement. So a learner or a student might engage in a behavior and they may or may not, you know, get the correct answer. Or they may or may not have the assistant walking by in the room providing them some verbal praise. And if the likelihood that they're going to get some access to a reinforcer, whether that's the correct answer itself or some verbal comment or compliment, if it's really low, then what we know about behavior and what we know about the matching law is that then the effort they put forth will be really low or you're going to basically put in what you're going to get out, you know. So we see that there are situations that have a lot of social disapproval associated with them. So like, try again, or that's not correct, or let me drill you more, or 
let's practice it, practice this, you know, something that's hard, even though you didn't get it, even though it's hard, let's keep doing it, might seem really counterintuitive to a learner, right? So situations that there are now that they are now avoiding often come with social disapproval, which means they can start avoiding people, which is increasingly problematic when we're talking about a learner avoiding their teachers or the educators. When we see instructional periods or sessions that have high rates of demands, even if there are appropriate amounts or dense amounts of reinforcers or reinforcement included, we can see a learner just shut down because this task is very, very hard. And I'd rather do a little bit, be successful at that, than do all this hard work for basically a payout that seems too far away, too far removed from the energy that the learner is expelling. There's frequent learner errors when you are taking on a new task, when you are working with situations that are difficult, when you are finding learners avoid stuff. Uh, It can be because they've made a lot of mistakes and they receive a lot of social disapproval and a lot of feedback and not a lot of reinforcement. Or what becomes reinforcing is the removal of the aversive, right? So that becomes a negative reinforcer for the learner. But there are strategies that can make learning more fun and effective. And we want to do do this or do that and, you know, implement those strategies by maximizing natural teaching opportunities. So anytime that we can see a sight word and sound it out or anytime or spell it, um, that we can identify an object and practice, you know, labeling colors or animals or locations in the house. That's really important. Pairing, um, P-A-I-R-I-N-G, pairing, uh, can be a really important strategy as well. So we don't just come in and start placing demands when when you think of a new babysitter or um, somebody coming over, the neighbor comes by at first, your pets or your child might be standoffish. But that person comes by and brings, you know, treats and cookies and parents are smiling when they're around. And so, hey, I, I, you guys think that person's cool. I think you're cool. So through association or pairing, then people can come to acquire really positive characteristics of either other people or parts of preferred environments. So this can mean like engaging in a preferred activity, dancing to a song or singing along to a song prior to delivering instruction. So having fun, being engaging are really important ways in which we can reduce task aversion. Um, Making sure that we introduce novel tasks really gradually and that we increase task demands slowly, but also while uh, sort of mitigating the effort by weighting the reinforcers appropriately. From an instructional standpoint, we can prevent a lot of frustration. So take an antecedent approach, right? Something that comes before behavior by using errorless instruction and errorless teaching. So five plus five is 10, five plus five is, and then fade out that full verbal prompt, if you will, and do a transfer trial. And then the learner could be correct. And so this could be using flashcards, right? Like five, you know, plus two, and then the answer is seven and it's there, but you flip the card over. And so the learner says five plus two is seven. Then you fade out the visual prompt, but errorless instruction, errorless teaching increases the likelihood that the learner is going to be correct, increases 
the connection that they're making from the instruction or the SD to the action or the answer or the response to the feedback, right? So that kind of can close that loop. And then you fade that out. So fading out supports and rewards mindfully is critical to an effective ABA program. You also, though, want to maintain a healthy pace of instruction. If there's too much of a lag time, then learners can get distracted. We can be competing with other variables or automatic or sensory style reinforcers. Giving the option for choice when it's available is incredibly powerful for giving control back to students. Allowing them to negotiate the negotiable is what we should be doing in classrooms. It's what we should be doing in our home situations and environments. So, hey, we are going to be coloring, but I do not care if you use colored pencils or if you use these crayons. Or um, you can do this either sitting over at your desk or seated with a partner at the, you know, semicircle table. Consider having short, several short teaching sessions. So again, it's like that, you know, having that little bit of a success over and over and over again instead of sort of too much effort and the questionable outcomes or success. Intersperse instructional targets with things that a learner already knows so that can make the introduction of a novel task or question um, a little bit more subtle, if you will, or um, not as aversive if it was sent or delivered in a mass trial. Consider these naturally occurring reinforcers. So things like, you know, liking certain sounds or lights or being around certain people because you can use that in your teaching strategies. Use your data to reflect and reassess what you're doing. Um, always really critical and important and a key feature to anything that a behavior analyst does. To learn more about this topic and antecedent interventions for individuals with autism or related disorders, please visit me at www.behaviorbabe.com. Mm-hmm.